What clings to a wall, but travels all the world? Welcome you to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan Mazzacco. Ryan, it's good to see you, man. Likewise. Good it, to see you, sir. It has been a while since we have done one of these here shows. It sure has. What, what's new with you? Uh, you know, I've been busy. That's why we haven't been around. Um, new addition to our family. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank um, you. Boy or girl? Feline. Right. Right. Uh, whiskers? Yeah, right over there. Yeah, I mm-hmm. saw Whiskers when I came in, which is kind of odd because I thought cats were extinct. Yeah, they're not. And also, don't mention that you can see him because he's kind of under the impression that no one can see him right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Alien technology gone wrong. Don't ask. Yeah. Well, now that we see what you've been up to, mm-hmm. uh, let's get down to episode 55 Delinda S. Sure, let's do it. I have some trivia we can go over, just very briefly. Um, This episode was written by Bob Ingalls, and this is his third episode. We began season three with his first script, If the Wheel is Fixed, which continued the story of the mysterious aliens that were introduced in the season two finale. Hold on. Okay. He wrote the season three premiere. Yes, he did. No more questions. (laughs) Understood. Okay. It's directed by Richard Flower. Previous episodes that he has directed include Harper 2.0, Pitiless as the Sun, Bunker Hill, and The Night, Death, and the Devil. This is his first of three turns in the director's chair for season three. The title for our episode is taken in part from a phrase often repeated by Cato the Elder, a notable Roman senator and historian. He often would end his speeches with the Latin phrase, Carthago delinda est, or, roughly translated, Carthage must be destroyed. Must be destroyed is an obvious reference to the pocket universe creatures that invaded Andromeda at the end of season two and at the beginning of three, and possibly in this episode that we're about to discuss. No spoilers. (laughs) No spoilers. Of course not. And because this is a ship in a bottle episode, we have no guest stars, except that we do see Sam Sorbo making a archival uh, return to the screen, right? Mm-hmm. In the opening scenes where uh, Dylan is getting his uh, physical. Right. He did not have to turn his head and cough, but he did have to be exposed to his late ex-wife. Well, they just may have already been past that part. We don't know. That's true. I, w- I was about to make a joke about, oh. I don't know which would have been more painful. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> that that's an X reference, which mm. I guess actually doesn't, really apply in Dylan's case because he he loved his late fiance right anyway moving on that was trivia we need a summary Ryan can we count on you for a summary well I'll give it a go give it a go Delinda Est as you said Ethan Dylan is in the middle of a physical when strange things start to happen on the Andromeda first he sees a replay of his last moments with his old fiance Sarah playing on a loop on the view screen 
Rami and Harper are seeing exotic creatures long extinct running through the corridors before nearly being sucked through a vortex. Becky hears voices, Tyr sees his son, and Trance watches a video of an exploding star play on a loop on the main viewer. Andromeda reports that there are attacks on nearby planets by Magog, Nietzscheans, and a general rise in criminal activity, but then it all suddenly disappears. They receive distress calls from several nearby ships. The messages are too corrupt. The only useful information they can glean is that all the ships are being stripped of their most powerful and complex power sources. Speaking of, Rami has gone missing. So what's going on? It's the return of the interdimensional, phase-shifting, no-logical-reason-for-attack aliens from alien-looking aliens. Andromeda is able to find Rami, and Dylan and Tyr video chat with her as she makes her way into a cargo bay. She says she's going after the aliens. There, she gets into a fight with the aliens, holding her own for a while until she's finally overtaken and carried off into a vortex. Andromeda traces Rami's signal to a nearby planet. The surface is uninhabitable, but there is a complex series of tunnels underground. Dylan and Tyr fly down in slip fighters and hone in on the power source detected by Andromeda. As they make their way through the tunnels, they come upon two aliens, shifting in and out of phase, standing as if on guard, waiting to make a move. Tyr suggests that they may not know they are visible. They take advantage of the situation and easily kill the two aliens. It was, as Dylan puts it, too easy. Don't worry, Dylan, it gets harder. This soon proves to be true as they find themselves on approach to the Bridge of Death. They don't have to answer any questions, but they do have to fight off two aliens who plummet for what seems like a really long time to the molten magma below. Personally, I'd rather have to answer the questions. By the way, the capital of Assyria was Nineveh, in case you should ever find yourself in that situation. Shooting through a door on the other side of the bridge, they find the power source. They also find Rami, who is bound with neon tubes and wires attached to her. The aliens are trying to use her to focus their power source, but the generator is not online yet. Rami tells them that something big is coming, and it's in a hurry. Meanwhile, on the Andromeda, Becca is at the command as more ships are appearing, taking shots, disappearing, and reappearing. And now a new massive tunnel is opening in space, and the Andromeda continues to sustain heavy damage. Back on the planet, Dylan, Tyr, and Rami improvise a bomb with a timer set to 20 minutes to destroy the generator. As they make their way out, they have to fight their way through waves of aliens, but eventually make it back to their slip fighters. Dylan radios to Harper to get his Jaws of Life gadget put back together, which Harper does while complaining about it the whole time. I mean, he did just get the thing taken apart, and now he has to put it back together. As alien vessels attack the slip fighter, Andromeda comes to clear the way. More alien ships are emerging from the tunnel as they begin their invasion. With Dylan, Tyr, and Rami now safe on board, Dylan gives Harper the order to pull the lever on his speaking spell, which, as predicted, draws all alien fire to the Andromeda. Down on the planet, the bomb explodes, destroying the generator, and apparently the entire planet, and also destroys the alien's power source, closing the tunnel, sucking the invasion force back in with it, and throwing the Andromeda to safety, while a vortex opens and closes on the Andromeda command deck. Just when it seems all is back to normal, a single alien appears on the command deck, kneels before Dylan, and offers him a dagger, probably of some kind of significance. Dylan accepts the dagger, and the alien kills over and disappears. They passed the test. What test? No one really knows, but apparently they passed.
The end. Well, Ryan, I have to say, in your summary, mm-hmm. um, some of the details that you brought out in your summary raised in my mind a question that I hadn't thought of before when I was watching this episode. I'm sorry. I hate it when people do that to me. Well, uh, no, it's an important question. Okay. And I, I, I think if we can find an answer, or if we can remember what the answer is by the end of this episode, I think it will play out very important, importantly in the unfolding of this discussion. Okay. That question that came to my mind, and I ask you, mm-hmm. what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Well, that depends. Is it an African or a European swallow? African. Well, I, I don't know that. <laughs> uh, I jest. Mm-hmm. I jest. Uh, actually, I, I do have some observations, some thoughts about the, the, the actual episode of Delinda Est. Mm-hmm. And I'll start at the beginning. Well, almost the beginning. It's actually uh, a couple of scenes into the, into the episode. So Rami goes to Harper and has a very important question to ask him. Yeah. Yeah. He starts to talk while she is uh, monitoring his pulse, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With the, the death grip that she has on his hand. He starts to explain... He starts into an explanation. She doesn't immediately detect a change in his pulse. So, I'm is he telling the truth? That's kind of what I was wondering about this. Yeah, he's telling the truth. Okay. Because we find that out at the end. We don't really... He never has to answer her fully. He, do, he never has to fully articulate an answer to her question. Just there at the end, she realizes he's not lying. Yeah. He's genuinely happy that she survived, that she's back. Yeah, but she brings it up again. She's like, did you do anything to me? She did bring it up at the end? Yeah. Okay. That's what the whole thing was about. I missed that. When when she grabbed him the second time and pulled him in, after he had just said, he didn't actually ask her. Or she didn't actually ask him. Right. He just volunteered. He said, and I never did anything. Okay. And that's when she grabs a hold of him real quick totally surprises him yes and then when she lets go she's like hey you were telling the truth or you weren't lying so so i just i missed the resolution of that particular discussion apparently yeah i i did i did well that's good i'm glad you're here to tell me these things Mm -hmm. because that was kind of a concern of mine well why didn't we get resolution but we did right you're right you um probably didn't finish the episode (laughs) did you see the part about where the alien comes back at the very end Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, I did. All right. I did see that. Huh. No, I, I, I did watch the full episode. <laughs> I, I'm, I was probably just jotting down uh, other notes when that particular scene came up. Mm. That being said, I probably watched this episode about four times <laughs> over the last six six to seven months. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just missed it. Okay. Don't I feel stupid? You know, it's going to take a little bit to get back in the saddle here. Sure. I'm just going to say that out loud right okay. now. Yeah. Uh, you know what, since you mentioned that scene about um, Rami, the death grip on his hand, right? Um, little thing, I just got to mention the numbness in his hand. Did you happen to notice that it switched from his right to his left hand? <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> I wasn't paying that close of attention. I, maybe I should have been. I didn't mean to be paying that close of attention, but it was just, I was I was focused on that hand because when he goes in to test it, he says, my hand is numb now, right? And he bangs it on that stainless steel work table. Mm-hmm. It hurt me. 
<laughs> yeah. Because he banged it hard. Yeah. I'm sure that was probably a sound effect that they added in in post. Right. But he hit that thing hard, and it hurt me. So my attention was focused on his hand, even when it cuts to the, the next shot of him holding the flashlight. Because I'm still focused on that hand, and I'm like, wait a minute. That hand he was just complaining about is holding a flashlight now. Fairly steadily. Yeah. <laughs> and then I happened to notice that his other hand was hanging at his side, dead. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I see what they did here. Yeah. They switched the hands. <laughs> uh the uh what is it the person on the crew that that's supposed to notice those little details director no well <laughs> you would think but what is it a gaffer or or no i forget what they call him now but anyway uh somebody somebody missed yeah somebody missed that little detail yeah well or they did it on purpose because as far as you know if he had been holding the flashlight the way the shot was arranged if he had been holding the flashlight with that hand still then it probably would have kind of been blocking the view of his face okay i like to think that there was a reason for a reason it for it yeah <laughs> but if they're going to do it that way then just go ahead and go back and from the beginning grab a different the yeah, other hand yeah grab the other hand there's only two right <laughs> i've said grab a different hand sure cats yeah extinct yeah good I knew you were going to feel that way. <laughs> Got news for you. Never going to happen. Uh, they were here before us, and if we're not careful, they'll be here after us. I I, I hesitate to say that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I hesitate. Yeah, I would. Because uh, you don't want to get on a cat's bad side. But I like I like Bob Ingalls' writing here. Whiskers is staring you down I, now. Well, I can't see him, so yeah. it doesn't matter to me. Right. Cats don't matter to me <laughs> oh i think they no, do no they do yeah. uh yeah <laughs> especially when my allergies kick, right. kick in and my sinuses swell shut uh-huh. exactly um no it, I, I like cats I, I really like cat videos I, I don't spend a whole lot of time looking at them but some of them are pretty funny i gotta admit now i'm really curious about the circumstances that led to the cat the great cat or great feline extinction mm-hmm. that is alluded to by uh by Rami here. Yeah. Now, my thinking is this, and just just go with me on this. All right. I'm thinking the Magog are kin to Malmasians. Yeah, okay. I see where you're going with this. You do? Mm-hmm. I, I think that the Malmasian race and the Magog probably share a trait. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. They're both furry. Yeah. Kind of ends there. Um... You know, the name Gordon is associated with this show. Yeah. And Magog are on this show. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm thinking there's a connection there somewhere. Okay. Maybe we don't, maybe we shouldn't poke too deeply at it, but, you know, I think so. You may be onto something there. Hey, Willie! Hey, I have a question for you. And maybe I should leave this for a what did we learn about our characters discussion later. But it doesn't seem like that big of a discussion. Okay. Um... So, can Rami fly? Yeah. I had a thought about that, too. Okay. And then I just quickly dismissed it. Yeah, because she just straight up defies gravity. She does. More than once in this episode. Yes, but there's precedent. We have seen this before. Okay. Uh, I forget the name of the episode, but where she's fighting on the station, she's fighting with uh, Tyr. Mm-hmm. On the, dr- uh, what do they call them? The Drift. 
The drift, yeah. Yeah. And and she pulled several amazing wire moves. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I don't know what... Uh, she's got like anti-grav units built into her or something. Okay. That's, that's all I can figure on that. All right. Speaking of physics. Yeah. What, if you could, explain to me the physics of firing a force lance into an interdimensional portal. I just can't. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But apparently it works. It, well, does it really? Uh, you know, because you can fire Andromeda's missiles and whatnot into it, and it's not going to do anything. Apparently, is it just because it's a much larger portal? But the smaller ones are force lance susceptible. Force lance susceptible. Force lance susceptible. No, I think probably what we learned there is that any of them are force lance susceptible. The, Dylan should have fired his force lance at the big one. It probably would have taken a few more shots. Nope. I don't think so. Eight. Maybe. Eight for small, eight for large. Depends on what level, what setting it's on. Because plot. Right. Okay. Yeah. Question. Yeah, that question's okay. answered. Uh this is sort of a this is sort of a two part question, really, uh or observation. So at the beginning there when when Dylan decides he needs to rally his troops and figure out what in the world is going on here, he gives the command Ship-wide. And then he asks for Harper, Tear, and Trance to meet in command. So, first of all, why does he need to do ship-wide? Can't he just directly contact Harper, Tear, and Trance? You know, it's kind of like you have those subgroups in your email, right? You can just say, okay, this group, and it and it knows. Could he just say, um, the main cast? And it just sends, you know... <laughs> Favorite the, crew. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because apparently... There's nobody else on this ship this week anyway. You're right. There is absolutely no one on this Not ship this week. Not a single body. Right. And we know that the ship is, it's it's Commonwealth. It's the new Commonwealth, the new High Guard. It's populated. It has crew. It has those, those generic looking androids walking around. Not this week. No. So he could have just as easily said ship-wide, Everyone to command. Right. And it would have only been the five of them, right? Exactly. Okay. Interestingly, he didn't... I just noticed this. He didn't ask for Rami. No. No, he didn't. Yeah. I guess that's inconsequential, because she was missing anyway. You're right. Yeah. And, and it is odd, because when they're on the command deck, doesn't he say, where's Rami? Yeah. Well, you didn't ask for her. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> she's, she's off taking care of the stuff she's supposed to be doing. That's right. Whatever it is that right. she does. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good catch there. Uh, speaking of Andromeda, and I'm speaking of Andromeda, the the Avatar. Okay. Uh, not Rami, but, but Andromeda, the ship. I'm glad to see that Andromeda is branching out in her creative abilities. Mm -hmm. Did you notice the plays, her playing with uh, the zoom feature and camera angles? As they were having their in, uh, intership communication, as Rami was walking to the uh, uh, showdown scene. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. I, I I think she has a promising career as a cinematographer. You think so? I maybe. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, she took a lot of really good shots that were used for archival footage. That is very in this true. So, anyway, cause... well, was it her that was replaying them, or was that somebody else uh, tapping into the files? and appreciating the cinematography that she had exhibited by recording them. 
Well, either way, she recorded them, right? Yeah. I mean, the picture quality, it was a little grainy. It <laughs> it was wanting a bit, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. But still, I think, yeah, the the, the angles, the shots, they, it was good. You yeah. know, she captured that tear, tear T-E-A-R. Right, <laughs> right on 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 Dylan's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, captured that perfectly and everything. So, um, either that or these the aliens have been there this whole time, and they captured all these shots. <laughs> they're the That's ones. That's a distinct possibility. They're the ones that have been filming this the whole time. <laughs> We've been watching their version of the telling of Andromeda. Yeah. Huh. No, I don't buy it. Okay. Because I think it was Andromeda showing Dylan. You had your time with her. Right. Time for you to move on. Okay. I think that's all that was. Right. Did you notice a hologram Andromeda was missing this time? Yeah, we haven't seen hologram Andromeda in a couple of episodes, it seems like. I think it's just too much money. Maybe. Or too much characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either or. Uh, but no, I, I seem to think that we haven't seen the hologram in a while. Huh. Or have we? I wonder if Lexa Doug plays... The Andromeda persona, the hologram Rami, and the Avatar Rami. Do you think she gets she paid three for paychecks three for that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's an interesting question. It is. It'd be nice if we could interview her. That's right. We'll ask her that when we interview her. We'll try that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. I, I like that you mentioned the cameras. Uh, as, you know, the shot when Rami's walking through the halls and they right. have all the shots on her, right, as she's making her way to that cargo bay or Zooming, wherever. Zooming, panning, right? yeah, all of it. Okay. Um, it seems like they could have used this later on because when they notice that there's an energy disturbance on deck 57 and Becca orders Harper and Trance to go check it out. Yeah. Seems like to me they could have just used just, those in-ship cameras, just, right? You've got monitors right there. Yeah. And and a ship that's capable of of giving you the shot that you need, right? Yeah, seem, it would seem like it. Seems I understand like it. that sometimes a television show will forget about itself sometimes from yeah. episode to episode. Well, you had to have someone on on site to fire the force lance, okay? Because you know the ship's defense just couldn't handle the that. internal defenses, right? Right. Which have turned on the crew how many times? <laughs> yes, it seems like they're. They're Point. they're pretty substantial. Yeah. Okay. Point. All right. But for some reason that's that's not going to cut it this time. Okay. You can't do not you cannot do this remotely. Okay. Some things have to be done in person. Yeah. You're right. So Dylan hops onto the Maru to track down Rami using as described in the show and I'm using air quotes here. Okay. A vague trail. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's all they're going on is a vague trail. That's the, the scientific assessment come down from the computer, huh. from Andromeda. Well, I would like to emphasize to our listeners that you are using air quotes when you say that. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if that wasn't implied from your inflection. I, I did say I was using air quotes. You did? I did. See, I wasn't listening. See, you, may, <laughs> you missed that point the way I missed that final scene. Where Rami hugs Harper. Yeah. Did, did you notice that when Dylan said vague trail? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> well, I just, I just wanted to point that out because I think I've said it before. You know, I, I love Star Trek for being cerebral. There it is. <laughs> Were you wondering? No, I wasn't. But since we did it. Time stamp it. 
<laughs> we mentioned ALF before we mentioned Star Trek. We did. We're, we did. We're doing all right. We're branching out. Yep. We are branching we out. We can get a commish reference in there somewhere now. Uh, we didn't have any co-stars <laughs> or guest stars, so no, <laughs> not this week. But yeah, I, I mentioned Star Trek because, you know, it, it is cerebral. So when they go to track someone down, there's a reason that they're leaving the ship in a shuttlecraft or whatever it is, or taking the ship and following some trail, right? Mm -hmm. It's a proton something or other, or a neutrino something or other. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got that Trek speak for it. Even if it's pseudoscience. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Here, we have a vague trail. Yeah. There is no science being Mm -hmm. discussed. On the one hand, it's frustrating as a Star Trek viewer uh-huh. because you want a little bit more science in your science fiction. Right. But at the same time, it's kind of refreshing that I don't have to think too hard about what they're following. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah, they're sniffing something. Uh-huh. I have a theory. Can I tell you what I think happened? Okay, tell me. I think that this was probably in one of the early drafts, vague trail, right? What is that trail? We'll figure it out later. We'll talk to our consultants, Right. And then we'll we'll put in there some sort of a something probably has something to do with antiprotons, right? There you, there you go. Okay, because everything does, right? <laughs> um, and they just it got overlooked. So by the time the script got to the point of it's it shooting day, the fourth iteration of the yeah. script still had vague trail, v- vague trail. <laughs> and Dylan, you know, Kevin Sorbo's reading the script. You know, he's not a scientist, right? Yeah, it's just like. Vague trails. Okay, at least it's not anti-protons. Yeah. <laughs> this is something new. I can work hey, with this. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I, I, like I don't it. know what vagues are, but I want to go back to the very beginning. Speaking of Dylan. Seems a little late for that. But we did kind of skip his early scene. Yeah, okay. well, that very first scene. Yeah. Where um, apparently he's getting a medical exam. So there's a couple of questions that kind of come up for me here. So... I thought maybe he was, at first, I thought maybe he was just relaxing in a chair, and Andromeda is now getting back to him with the results. But then we find out later that he was actually interrupted because of this whole thing. He was in the middle of his He physical. was in the middle of his, of his physical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, first of all, I just want to say, physicals in the Andromeda universe in the future. Sign me up. Yeah, seems pretty easy. It looked like he was wearing some sort of a sensor on his arm. Maybe, yeah. Um, But other than that, he's just sitting in a chair, which is cool. Yeah. The other question, though, that it brought to mind is, is or is not Trance sort of the de facto medic on the ship? You're right. So why is she not performing this exam? No, you're right. You're right. Because all she's doing is just, she's standing up on the command deck watching videos of, of a star explode. L- let me let me broach this then. Okay. Maybe it was so intimate an experience, this particular um, physical, that Dylan just was not, simply not comfortable with having transperform it. Let's just get the ship's computer. I don't know. It didn't look that personal. He was sitting in a chair. That's true. Well, what kind of chair? What kind of prostheses That's did this true. chair have? We don't know exactly what all that chair has. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Well, that doesn't really change anything. He's still just sitting in the chair. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Hey, at least at least he cares about his health enough to get it checked out. 
Well, maybe it's not by of. the the de facto doctor mm-hmm. on the on board, but at least he's asking for help from the ship's computer. Okay. So we find Rami right down on the uh, the mysterious planet that is apparently shimmering in space, waving in and out of existence. Yeah. Okay, so we get down there, make it through the tunnels. We find Rami. She's trussed up. Did you notice the bubble wrap column behind that she was trussed up against? Bubble wrap? That wasn't bubble wrap. That was yes, a, it was. No, that was the same material that the Klingons make their belts out of. <laughs> oh wait, that was bubble that wrap. That was bubble wrap. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just had to point out the bubble wrap column behind okay. Rami. Yeah. Okay. It was an interesting uh, choice for uh, for aesthetics. Who doesn't love bubble wrap? Oh, everybody loves bubble wrap. Yeah. Uh, and I can I can only imagine laying up against it would be amazing. Sure. But um, still, it was bubble wrap. It would be amazing for a little while because, you know, you, you're not going to be able to resist. Yeah, that's And you're going to pop, pop, <laughs> pop. And then before you know it, you're just laying on a pillar. Right. Yeah. Well, here's, here's my question. If the pillar is bubble wrap, what's it supporting? What is its purpose as bubble wrap? It's it's there to protect the cardboard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So once you're done popping the bubble wrap, then you can take the column, the cardboard column, mm-hmm. and make cow sounds. Yeah. You can just continue to entertain yourself while mm-hmm. while incarcerated or, or trussed up. Right. Yeah. Why is it that when you hum into like a, a cardboard tube or a garden hose, it has that auto-tune effect? <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I want to look into that. After we get done recording here, or if somebody could write in, we'll we'll have our information later. Okay. Write in. Let us know. What is the deal with the auto-tune sound when you hum into a cardboard tube? We are dangerously close to getting sidelined or sidetracked here. I think we did it. <laughs> Mission accomplished. I'll, I'll, I'll reel it in for you. Okay, reel okay, it in. Okay, all right. So, yeah, the planet. We're down on the planet now, right? Yeah. Um, they're crossing the bridge. Mm-hmm. We've already had the point where uh, they discovered the two aliens that were just standing there. Yes. Right? Unknowingly visible to them. So they just took the shots. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you're about to cross this bridge. Surely it's going to be guarded, right? You would think. Right. So if I'm here with that huge gun, which, by the way, it was a good gun. Right? Oh, one of his favorites. Yeah. So, I'm just going to be standing there on that side of the bridge, and I'm just going to point my gun across the bridge to the other side and just start shooting. Right? (laughs) If there's something there. What's it going to hurt? Yeah, right. Is he afraid of blasting open the door on the other side? I wouldn't think so. You might hit the control panel. Nah. Jam them out. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's just going to blow it open anyway. (laughs) You're right. You're right. So, yeah, why don't they just be like... Just walk around just shooting yeah. all the time, and maybe they'll get lucky yeah. and hit one. Yeah. You know, especially on a bridge, because, I mean, it, come on. You know there's going to be aliens just right there waiting, don't you? Uh, in there again, in the same situation, they cross the bridge. They rescue Rami. The next scene we have, or maybe not the next scene, but one of the next scenes that we have with them in the room is Dylan just presents Rami with all of this junk. Mm-hmm. How much junk is he carrying that's not a bomb already <laughs> if he's going down to the surface of a planet to break in uh-huh. and break her out? Yeah. How does he not have hand grenades or bombs already in his satchel? 
Yeah. Maybe some of that stuff was, but just smaller versions of it. He he just there, needed her to make it There bigger. were probably like small, um, I don't know, anti-proton grenades or something. <laughs> okay, yeah. And yeah, she needed to, to use the material that he had, including the small anti-proton grenades, to make a larger explosion because they needed to blow up the whole planet. Right. And I'm and I'm also just wondering, could she have really made an egg timer or egg cooker? Was it an egg cooker or an egg timer? Egg, um, egg cooker, I think. Egg cooker, right? Well, right. I mean, you know, an egg timer would have been handy. See, the thing is, for uh, you know, exactly the, the trigger device. They obviously had the components to do both of those things. Yeah, because they had um, they had the components to make a timer. Which, by the way, I want to say the display <laughs> on that timer that was fancy. That was cool. <laughs> I want to get that on my phone. The the little rotating numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Um, And also, I mean, they have the components to make a large explosion, so they can create heat. Yes. So I imagine that explosion would have cooked an egg. (laughs) (laughs) Rapidly. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Tell Uh, me it wouldn't have. No over medium there. Right. In fact, (laughs) in fact... I challenge you to tell me that Rami didn't make an egg cooker. Well, we can't exactly check the wreckage, can we? Because it got vaporized. Well, yeah. And is spread out amongst the remnants of the planet. I mean, you can check it for remains of egg. (laughs) Chances are you're not going to find any. Yeah. So twice now, we've had a situation where the slip fighters have had to extract additional people out of a... uh, out of a situation off of a planet, mm-hmm. right? I forget the the uh, slip fighter, the dogs of war. Mm-hmm. We had to get trance out. We had to get. Uh, didn't Becca end up on the planet somehow? I don't remember. Somebody crash landed, so somebody had mm-hmm. to ride with somebody to get out. Yeah, nobody rides with Tear though. Have you noticed that? Would you want to ride with Tear? Probably not. <laughs> but yeah, nobody rides with Tear. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah, you know why? I think Tear probably goes. He gets in his slip fighter, he pulls the hood down, and then he locks the door. Yeah, and you're probably looks, right. And then he looks at Rami or Becca, whoever's with him. And points. Yeah. Go over there. <laughs> Did you need to find a ride home? <laughs> yeah. He's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Makes Sorry. Sense. Sorry. I'm full over here. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's a Nietzschean. It's all about self-preservation. There's There's only oxygen supply for one in here. Rami doesn't require oxygen. That I'm aware of. She would have been fine. Yeah. Without it. Yeah. But but still, it's tight quarters. I just have one last thing. I okay. want to talk about these aliens for a minute. Okay. These aliens. I guess maybe it works out in the end that it's just a test. But I, I also want to think that whatever the test is that they passed, I mean, they were they were legitimately trying to invade, right? Yes. Okay. These aliens are horrible at coordinating attacks. <laughs> They're just absolutely the worst, right? Yeah. Because they come in waves, like a video game. I mean, it's it's a TV episode, and we have a plot that we have to navigate through, right? Yes. It's just like playing a video game where you have a plot, a storyline that you've got to get through. Obviously, they can't send all of the bad guys at you at once. Yeah. But if they did, <laughs> there's no possible way you could beat the video game, right? Right, So right. they have to do that in yeah. a video game. I guess you have to do that in a TV episode to get your heroes through it, right? Well, you only have four of these suits. 
Well, still, go ahead and send all four send of them all at four you at once. once. Yeah, instead of two at a time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get yeah. it. I get it. Because the one time they did send in four at a time, they got Rami. They, they carried her out. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And I'm sure there's more of them than that. But, you know, they could they could do some clever camera work maybe, to make it look like there's you maybe know, they're six, phasing. seven, maybe even eight of them. <laughs> maybe their phasing technology that they're using only allows for so many to occupy one space in this galaxy like at a time. I like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's go with that then. Okay. Doesn't explain the ships, but okay. They have a higher power source in the ships, so maybe yeah. that works for them. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with it. All right. Seeing as how we're probably not going to see them again, I say that's that's canon. All right. You can only have four in a room at a time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. So let's get down to brass tacks. Okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we learned about some of the characters and creatures that we see in this episode. What do you say? Okay. Uh, I'd like to start off with Trance. All right. Uh, first off, we see her come on to the command deck to the tri-screen looping supernova. Yeah. Right? Look like something out of a German discotheque. She does not like supernovas. No, she does not. And we've already established that exploding stars make her upset. It feels like we're building towards something with her as a character. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? Yeah. Are we? I defer to you as the person <laughs> that's seen the show all the way through. Well, I mean, if there are should, any of... If, should I file this away? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's the question I'm getting All at. Right. Should, should I remember this? Yeah. I mean, most of what we're seeing here, especially early on in the episode, is important to our characters. Because we have Dylan, who is seeing flashbacks on screen of his time with Sarah. Right. We see... Um, Tear alludes to he sees his, his son. son. Yeah sleeping okay um which they never got back to that because if i recall correctly doesn't everybody else think that his son is dead right yes and now he just told them all that he just saw his son a lot well that doesn't necessarily tip his hat yeah um that could be a father mourning yeah but seeing his son in a in a live state although it's telling that he would be sleeping right but Anyway, anyway, going back to the original point, though, is that it was something personal, very personal to Tyr. Yeah. Now we see this supernova exploding apparently is very personal. It touches trance. Yeah. Okay. Um, The whole cat thing with Harper and Rami, I, I don't <laughs> really know what personal significance that is because it maybe, just maybe harper had a cat when he was young no no they were extinct yeah. so he wouldn't have right okay yeah um n- no significance with the cat other than uh, when we want to do something weird on this show let's just put a cat let's on put there a cat in there because it's not the first time we've seen a cat you're right yeah becca's seen a cat before yeah um was it these aliens that did that it put was the cat it on was. the maru or something like that it was in yes yeah Yep. Okay, so these aliens have a thing for cats. <laughs> Maybe that's where all the cats went. Sucked into portals. Yeah. Into the pocket universe. Right, and so these cats are sent to the Andromeda. They're the spies. They're checking stuff out. It makes sense. Okay. They're cute, they're cuddly. Yeah. And then Who's they get suspect? everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and report back. Right. Although when you have stealth technology the way they do, I yeah. mean, 
if it's possible, they could have been filming the crew right. this whole time. Right. So why cats? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, we're we're but, getting we're, we're getting, getting sidetracked. Yeah, You're right because yeah. I have one more thing on trance that I want to okay. bring up. She says, "Okay, when uh, Harper and her go to deck fifty-seven yeah. to take care of the situation, they take out one of these creatures, and she questioningly looks at Harper and asks, if I have seen these creatures before, why don't they look familiar?' I put the question to you, Ryan." Because I couldn't come up with a reason why. Okay. Why does she ask this question? Um, I'm going to say, because when she when she said that, that also puzzled me at first. And so I actually thought about this for quite a while. Um, both when I, when I first saw it, and also, we normally don't talk about stuff before we record. Right. You did ask this question to me before. Earlier, yes. Yeah, and... And so I continued to think about it. And here's what I came up with. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Helpful. Yeah. Not really. Right. Uh, it's weird. It really is weird. Like it, I, it seems like there had to have been a reason for to make her say that. You said something right quick uh, that we got in either the season two finale or the season three opener. One or the other. I can't remember which. Where she alludes to the fact that these creatures show up and it messes up the timeline. Yeah, that was a season two finale. And then her and Becca disappear and we find them later on Ouroboros, right? Is that is that kind of the rough timeline that we're looking at? We find them earlier in Ouroboros, later in the timeline. Okay, my brain hurts. Let's move uh, on from that. All right. Um, is this line here basically... The, the show writers or the show creators letting us know that whatever she alluded to there mm-hmm. as the timeline getting messed up by these creatures, yeah. is that, is it somehow better now? The fact that she can't remember them, that somehow the timeline is, is moved along and things are a little different than what she originally thought? I don't, I don't know because the reason I kind of don't want to say that that's the answer is because it just... Precedent has been set through pretty much all sci-fi that I've ever seen that if someone changes history or changes the timeline, the only one to know is the one that was directly involved in changing it. Right. And in this case, that's trance. Right. So it could be, it, it would be that nobody else would know that anything was different. But trance would be the only one, and and she's the only one. She she's the one that said it. She's because yeah. it was yeah. When these aliens first appeared at the end of season two, she tells the whole crew this is where everything went bad. It didn't end well, and she kind of used her previous experience to kind of help them through, and they were able to come out of that one victorious. Apparently, it's not over because they came back. So, as far as why she would now be saying, if we fought these creatures before, then why don't I remember them? I have no idea. Um, perhaps there's still something to come that I just don't remember. Or maybe they changed the timeline so much that now I don't remember what happened before. Because to me, it never happened. Well, it has been a few months since we've watched any episodes, hasn't it? 
So a, f- a couple more questions about these aliens that I have now. Um, so we talked before about the they were phasing in and out, and Dylan and Tyr were able to see them. Yes. Um, we made a few jokes about that before, and you know because I kept thinking, why is it that they appear in a perfect position? For Dylan and Tear, or for Harper and Trance, whoever it is, why do they appear at a perfect position for them to just shoot them down? Yeah. <laughs> um. That scene, I think we actually we, I may be reading too much into this, but I I think maybe we may have learned something about these aliens in that scene where Dylan and Tear see them. Mm-hmm. Because they are standing almost statue still. In a crouch position. They are at the ready. Yeah. But they are standing still. Yeah. I'm wondering if whatever this cloak is that that takes them out of phase so that you can't see them, is it only does it only work if they're standing still? Because every time they come out of it, they're usually standing still in sort of a somewhat crouching or attack position and then they leap forward yeah they don't just have um they can't just be like running across the room and then phase in running but apparently they can crawl on the ceilings and walls and not be noticed crap (laughs) i'm sorry i i i hear you and it makes it makes brilliant sense okay except we have seen in previous episodes where they're on the walls and the ceiling, they're crawling along, following, but they're not seen, right? And then they drop down, and they they can be seen. Hmm. It could be, but you know, at first I thought it was probably just uh, for story purposes or maybe production reasons why they couldn't do certain effects or something like that. It wasn't in the budget or something. Yeah. But just that scene with Dylan and Tear kind of made me think that maybe. They were tel- if, telegraphing if they don't, something to this. Yeah, if they don't yeah. have to be perfectly still, maybe they they still need to be uh, not moving erratically. Yeah. Uh, continuing on with our uh, pocket universe species, mm-hmm. uh, I looked that up on the uh, Commonwealth Wiki. Yeah. That's where I get the pocket universe species reference. Right. So I guess that's what we're calling them? Yeah, if sure. That's, if that, that's our authority at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so... They were going to full-on invade the galaxy. Yeah. So we, we kind of got an answer to what their motivation was. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, why were they invading? Uh, what was their purpose in coming into this galaxy? Was theirs not enough? Their universe Why does not anyone enough? invade? Right. Resources? Yeah. Sure. Power? Exactly. Money? Yeah. Love? So what What was it? Maybe not love. <laughs> Maybe not love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what was their motivation? There was a girl. There's always a girl. <laughs> it was Rami. Yep. They were after Rami. Um, you know what? And I don't mean to derail you, but that's a perfect spot for me to put this in here because, okay, Rami. Maybe, maybe it's not Rami. Maybe it's Becca. Maybe it's Trance. I don't know. But they make, from what we see, they make at least two attempts to invade in the alternate timeline, they also invaded. Yeah. And where did they attack? They attacked Andromeda. Mm-hmm. So, in this timeline, which we're going to assume that they never knew about the other timeline, so they attack 
at the end of Season 2, they attack Andromeda. Andromeda defeats them. So they wait another six months. And where do they attack? Andromeda. Andromeda. <laughs> Why couldn't they attack, like, start at Earth? Right? <laughs> right. Because it's a wasteland. It's easy. Just knock off some of these Nietzsche enslavers, you yeah. know? That'd be easy. So, and why do they come after Andromeda first? Because these pocket universe creatures are the most unlucky in all of the universes. Okay. Unlucky <laughs> how? They hit Andromeda twice. Yeah, but shouldn't they have... <laughs> they apparently had picked a planet that was isolated from everyone else. Yeah. It just so happened that Andromeda was close by and could track them with a vague trail. Yeah, but they were on the offensive. Yeah. It's their fault. If they would have just been like, all right, so here we go. We're going in. We're going to set up all this stuff on this planet. Wait, wait, wait. What's that? I remember that ship. Everybody hold tight a minute. <laughs> because they're they're a fast moving ship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They'll be out of here. Give them a day. Yeah. Right. They'll be gone. But instead, they, they get on Andromeda. Yeah. And they start messing with them again. Yeah. Why did you start messing with them again? <laughs> Even if you just go on there just to do some reconnaissance, you don't have to make yourselves known. Isn't that clear? That they do not have to make themselves known. Right, right. They could have been on that ship for months. Yeah. And nobody would have known. So leave them alone. <laughs> right? Wait until you build up some more resources. Don't poke the bear. Exactly. Wait until you get your generator online. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But, but, they needed Rami to control it. So the attack had to come at some point. Is that the whole thing? That's they the whole needed, thing. They needed Rami. They had to plug her in to control the whole reaction, I guess. Well, what about, were there, were there, we've seen other ship avatars. Yeah. Could they not get got, got any of them? No, it had to be Rami. What about the one that's on the casino drift? <laughs> Nobody's going to look for him. You're, you're right. You're right. I, basically, what it all comes down to is... Poor writing. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I jumped, jumped the shark there. Okay. Um, I was going to say poor planning by these aliens. I mean, I don't know how they fight wars in their dimension, but... I just think they lost, and it's all their fault. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it was... Uh, uh, apparently, generals are not as good in the yeah. pocket universe. Mm -hmm. So, that's what they got. All right. Well, hey, I interrupted you. So, because you started talking about these aliens. Right. Well, I was just going to make the point that they were going to invade, but not if Dylan had anything to do with it. I mean, this this, yeah. this ultimately came down to a, a, being a revenge mission, at least as far as Tyr was concerned. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to crush them. He wanted to end them unequivocally. Right. <laughs> he had he had his whole hissy fit. Right. I mean, he couldn't even hardly string his words together. That's right. <laughs> he was he was struggling there. Yep. I was I was uncomfortable for him. He was emphatic. Yeah. But yeah, it was dangerously close to being botched. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great if he? <laughs> Slipped up and said a wrong word, and every all day I'll just look at him. What? <laughs> Garage? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then he becomes the ship's Jerry. 
Um, you know what? This isn't really a big discussion point, but I do want to ask you what you thought of this. Okay. The scene on command deck when it's Becca, Trance, and Harper, and then all of a sudden, that one alien just sneaks up right on Harper. That was action for action's sake. Was it? That's all that was. Yeah. It, they had no reason to go after Harper. They really didn't. Were Do you think they were trying to go for a, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say a jump scare, but kind of. It, it was kind of like that scene in Jaws. You know, the scene that everybody knows in Jaws, where just all of a sudden, boom. Um, or maybe, since it's an alien, maybe the scene in Signs. Or, I've never watched the Predator movies. Uh-huh. I mean, I've seen like the last 20 minutes when it's on TV. I've never actually sat down and watched them. But um, it strikes me as that was maybe what they were going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The jump scare. Mm-hmm. The the tense moment where they just show up out of the blue. Yeah. You, nobody's safe. Not even Harper. Right. <laughs> right. And he's the most... You know, he's the harm. He's the most harmless individual on the mm-hmm. ship, right? So they come after him. Yeah. So you fear for him, right? Yeah. Well, how do you feel about how Harper handled it? <sighs> what did he do? <laughs> <laughs> he, he caught him out of the corner of his eye, and he goes, uh, "Hey, guys." <sighs> so what I'm gathering, I think what they were really doing is they were trying to combine. A jump scare with Harper's comic relief. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to do both of those. I, and honestly, I you ask, what's my opinion of it? Yeah. It's superfluous. Okay. It was not necessary for the telling of the story, but it was necessary to fill time. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Something that I thought was interesting, too, that Dylan said, uh, it was at the point early on when, when they were searching for Rami, um... Dylan goes to climb up on the ladder and and Tyr is going to go down the corridor, right? A little offhanded quote, but it got me thinking, you know, what is Dylan really trying to say here? Um, he says to Tyr, I'll take the high road, you take the low. Yeah. It's like, don't we all know that? Mm-hmm. And Dylan knows it. Pretty sure Tyr knows it, right? Yeah. We all know it. So... Why not just say it, right? So basically, when it all comes down to it, at the end here, um, it's all about this, apparently, about this test. Um, it's it's sort of referred to earlier. Um, Trance says that she thinks it's all some sort of a test. Dylan, he mentions it again at the end. He says, well, it looks like we passed the test. What is the test? Is it... Is it really a test, or is it defending our universe from an invading force? Is that the test? I guess. Uh, I mean, is that what war is? Is that how people think of war? That's not, I've never thought of it as it's it's just a test. Maybe that's why they can't take the, the casino avatar. Because the casino avatar understands the stakes. Mm. It, it knows how to gamble. Right. You never bet against the house. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, this is for, this is for survival. So if it's a test, they pass. Good. Yeah. They get to live. Well, I know, but I guess it's, when I think of a test, it's like, 
okay, whatever the result is, is going to determine your qualifications for something or your lack of qualifications for something, yes. right? Yeah. To me, that's that's more of what a test is. Okay. Is how do you come out on the end of this? And I don't mean do you come out at the end of this with your entire universe being invaded and destroyed? You know, that's that's not failing a test. That's losing a colossal war. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's coming back from failing a test, right? I, I failed my driver's test the first time. <laughs> and honestly, I, I look back on that. That was over 20 years ago. I still feel like I was entrapped. But <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, What happened? Well, I came back a week later and I took the test again. Yeah. I passed. Yeah. All right. So if they fail this test. They die. There's no coming back from that. Right. 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 Um, so when they say it's a test, I'm, I'm. it makes me wonder, like, what is it that these aliens are trying to figure out? What are they trying to test? Are, our, are you worthy enough for us to just go ahead and leave you alone? Yeah. Honestly, that's all I can come up with. Because mm-hmm. if they don't show up in the series ever again... And this was all the, this was the point of it. Right. Then, yeah, it was a test of, can we beat you or not? Right. And if we can't beat you, we're going to hand you our dagger uh-huh. and disappear. Yeah. I guess we pass. Okay. We get to live in our own universe. All right. Yeah. So, at the end, when that last alien did die, how did he die? Did he bite down on a cyanide capsule? <laughs> That's the only thing. Or, I, get. I that is that was is exactly what I thought. Okay, had to have happened. All right, he had to have been chewing on a pill. All right, because as far as we know, the rest of that fleet is gone. Yes, somehow he got uh, not left behind. But I think he he got on the ship in that last vortex when everything was was hitting the fan at the yes, very end. At the very end, yeah. That vortex that came on the command deck opened up. I think he probably was out of phase, jumped on to the command deck on the Andromeda there. So he was there the whole time. Yeah. And my last act as a pocket universe creature is right. to hand over the ceremonial dagger. Right. So do they all have one of those, or is he the guy? I think you have to. Yeah. Why didn't any of them use it? It wasn't time. Is that all it's for? They, the others hadn't passed the test yet. Or failed it. The, <laughs> I, wouldn't that have been something? If if at whatever point they had determined they had failed the test, they come at them with the ceremonial daggers and kill them with them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, could have been. So, it seems like a waste. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Okay, a lot of weight to carry on you. Oh, well. Best not to give too much thought to it, I think, at this point. You think so? Yeah. All right. I think we had a quote for this show, didn't we? Yeah, we do. Let's move on to that. All right. So here's the quote. What clings to a wall but travels all the world? That is the unsolvable riddle of ski or sky. I like to say ski because it's spelled like ski, um, which is the patriarch of Jill. Commonwealth year 1111. Not an unsolvable riddle. Okay. I had this one figured out. All right. 
a clock. A picture frame. Oh. Why clock? Hmm. <laughs> oh, no. It's another riddle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I say picture frame. Okay. Because it clings to a wall, obviously. Right. But you can have various pictures of different parts of the world. Okay. And seeing that the portals figured prominently in this episode, uh-huh. and a picture frame could be called a portal of sorts. Okay. I think that's the answer. Okay. I, I challenge you to correct me. I will see your picture frame. Okay. And I will raise you a flat screen television. Ooh. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hand my dagger to you, sir. <laughs> I mean, there are there are channels that are specifically for traveling the world. You're right. I mean, you're right. You can just fl- you can you can flip through the channels. You can be in in Boston in one second and the next minute you're in Australia. Yeah. Um but Honestly, on a serious note, what do I think this means? Nothing. I got nothing. No. No. Other than sometimes our aliens hang on the wall. Is is that the connection? Literally the only connection I could say is, well, they do hang to or cling to walls. Mm -hmm. But the travel the world part, I got nothing. Okay. I, I don't know. All right. Yeah, this one really for me made no sense. All right. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. I'm in agreement okay. that it made no sense. All right. So that brings us around to the last little bit of discussion we have to have here, Ryan. Okay. Delinda Est. Yeah. Not Carthago Delinda Est. No. But just Delinda Est. Yep. Must be destroyed. Okay. What are your thoughts on this episode? I mean, those are pretty much my thoughts. <laughs> this episode must be destroyed. Um. I'm I'm being a little too hard on it. I mean, to me, it was it was an episode that was. I want to say it was useless, but then at the same time, it kind of I feel like it puts an end to these interdimensional pocket universe aliens. Um, if we don't see them ever again, I'm not going to be surprised because I kind of feel like they made their last stand here. And Dylan said, no, this is the line. Across this line, you will not cross this line, right? And they say, whoa, whoa, okay, hey. I'm going to skip my Picard impression here. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of on that on that end of it, I want to say it may have been useful. But at the same time, did we really need it? Because didn't they defeat them the last time we saw them? And so... You know, what was the name of Rosie, right? Yeah. They threw yeah. Rosie in the tunnel, right? I mean, that that should have been enough. To, I shouldn't say it should have been enough, but it could have been enough for these aliens to say, let's not mess with them again. Right. And if we had never seen them again from that point, I would have felt just as as resolved on this whole thing of saying that, Dylan and his crew beat these aliens. Yeah. And sent them running. They're never going to come back. They came back. So we go through it again. This time we blow up a planet. Still not sure how that happened. But. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, it was like, 
the 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 egg cooker bomb went off. <laughs> the reactor dropped into the lava and then escalated really quickly into total core destruction yeah. and the sh- the 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 planet just shattered. Yeah. Yeah. That escalated quickly. Mhm. <laughs> and not not quite sure how or why. Yeah. Um so all right, all right, all right, all right. Gun to my head. All right. Was I mildly entertained by this episode? Yeah, okay. Did I feel like this episode had any value, any valuable worth? No, not really. So I guess I I, I didn't hate the episode for what it was, but I don't need it. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know what number I want to put on that then. You don't have to. Yeah, okay. It's, yeah, all right. Are you good? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm done talking. You go. All right, so here, here's here's something I liked. Playful sarcasm. There was a lot of playful sarcasm between our crew. Yeah. That was that was good. That was enjoyable. Uh, enigmatic aliens. That Do you utter- feel like we don't get that a lot? <clears throat> oh, we get that a lot. Okay. I'm trying to find high points that I liked. Okay. All right. All right. Enigmatic aliens that utter no lines and die easily. Yeah. Okay, that that's the thing that mm-hmm. happened in this episode. Uh, the return of the jaws of life. Yeah, the sea and say. Yeah, you know you you brought it out as that in the uh, summary. It was good to see that again. See Maybe and say not speak and spell. I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, but ultimately, what it comes down to is that nothing in this episode made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Just like the opening of season three. Yeah, if the wheel is fixed. That episode made no sense to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And and here we have a continuation of if the wheel is fixed, and it's not fixed yet. Yeah. It's still broken. Yeah. <laughs> and this episode is broken. These aliens could have been cool, I think, if they had given them lines. If there had been dialogue, something for uh, uh, terms to be dictated, a resistance is futile, or something... In order to interact with the crew, rather than just being enigmatic and just showing up, I yeah, there could have been something done with those. But we yeah. never hear them speak a line. You know what would have been cool? What's that? If they can't speak to us in the way that we would understand, but they obviously have access to our archives, right? Throw a ceremonial dagger with a note attached to it. I'm sorry, I cut off your I thought. Mean, yeah, that's <laughs> cool, I guess. But, you know, okay, so they have the clips of of Sarah and Dylan, right? Yeah. Okay, so apparently they have access to this whole archive. Mm -hmm. So they could, like, put together one of those chopped up videos. Oh, yeah. And use our own words against us. Like the uh, magazine cutout ransom notes type stuff? Yes, exactly. Or like, you know, Jimmy Fallon's videos where he has people, (laughs) remember Brian Williams doing the rap songs and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. No, yeah, anything like that. Would have been awesome for them to get the point across of why are they here? Why are they doing this? Why are they trying to invade? What are what terms are they going to dictate? But we get none of that. So everything that we have is from the crew's point of view. And we have nothing that actually proves that anything that these aliens did had a point to it. Mm-hmm. They hand them the dagger at the end of the show. And you're left to infer, okay, I guess we passed. That's where Dylan's left. That's the lines that he utters. Yeah. And uh, this whole story arc 
I have real problems with. And I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is part of the reason why it's taken us 8 months to do another episode of Drive Back the Night. <laughs> and I know I need to steal myself for worse to come. All right. But this kind of broke me just a little bit. This episode did. Uh because we don't really get resolution. I mean, we we infer a resolution but we don't get a resolution to what is the motivation for these aliens yeah. and why are they not coming back? Yeah. Or right. are they? There you go. I mean, you kind of just, you, you kind of took the words, you know, how do you, how do you resolve when you don't know what the conflict is? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't know why you're fighting, <laughs> then how do you know? Yeah. That the problem is, is done. How do you know the wheel is fixed? We don't, really. Mm-hmm. And Delinda but asked, if it is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Delinda asked, must be destroyed. I agree with you. This episode <laughs> should be detonated, just like that planet. Well, hey, that's how you feel. I respect that. You know how I feel. You know what I would like to know. What would you like? To know? I would like to know how our listeners feel. We haven't heard from listeners in a while. No, and and you know that's probably our fault. They haven't heard from us in a while. That is true. But now that they have, I would love to be hearing from our listeners again. Yes. Um. So if they wanted to get a hold of us, Ethan, how might they do so? They could do so by sending an email to Drive Back the Night Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on the social medias, Facebook and Twitter at Andromeda Pod on both of those social media locations. Um, our home is on Podbean. Are we still on Podbean? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we do still have a home there. That's, that is where our episodes are coming from. That's great. And while you're visiting us there on Podbean, if you did want to leave uh, a tip, we do have a tip jar there available uh, to to help support our efforts here yeah and, and if you listen to us on itunes definitely give us a review some stars we would certainly appreciate that good thanks to our big friend doug anderson as always uh for lending us his voice for the opening quote at the beginning of this episode i just want to jump in here right quick and say uh i i bought us some t-shirts ryan do you remember yep. that yeah you still have your t-shirt yeah okay I've got my t-shirt. I'm wearing my t-shirt right, right now. I, I didn't. Well, I'm wearing a t-shirt, but I didn't know I was supposed to wear that one. Not that t-shirt. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of celebrating that we're getting back in the saddle again with, yeah. with Drive Back the Night. Uh, but I did want to give a shout out to Public, and specifically the artist Liquid Ruby. Uh, he produced a shirt called Driving Back the Night t-shirt. I bought a couple of them. One for me. One for you, Ryan. It features our crew. The, the cast shot that you see at the front of uh, uh, on the Drive Back the Night uh, website, well, that crew is on there in caricature form. And these t-shirts, Driving Back the Night by uh, Liquid Ruby, are available on TeePublic. And so I encourage anyone that wants to support Andromeda and Liquid Ruby, uh, go out and buy one of those t-shirts. Drive Back the Night is an Age of Geek production. And so we thank for them for all the good work that they're doing over there. It's us. And so we... And friends. And friends, yeah. We invite you to come back. Join us back here again next time for episode number 56 as we discuss The Dark Backward. Backward.